You know, even to this day in Australia, that telling someone's fortune is still a crime. And even your clients would be known as criminals. Fortune telling was for financial gain, was criminalised because it was seen as fraud. Occasionally attempts were made to defend against fortune telling charges on the grounds that psychic had genuine abilities, or genuinely believed they did, and so their actions were not fraud. How the wording of legalisation against fortune telling was so definitive that judges ruled such matters irreverent at law. Fortune telling was ultimately a form of pretense. According to Australian newspapers in the 1900s, main victims of this pretense were women. Paralytic editorials were argued for police crackdowns and fortune telling in order to protect members of the weaker sex from themselves. While men will visit also visited fortune tellers, the traders doing so less often, and usually seek answers to practical inquiries about investment opportunities or locating lost property. Women's reason for visiting fortune tellers is represented to be more frivolous and rooted in innate female character defects. Women apparently became hooked on visiting fortune tellers due to preoccupations of romance, gossip, or because of their neurotic impulses, left them credulous. New papers warned of dangerous repercussions fortune-telling might, might have for weak-minded women, suburban matrons, who are accused of frittering away household funds on charlatanism. It joked that housemaids acquit their jobs on the basis of prosthesis, of which husbands soon to come. Marriages are said to be breaking down the clairvoyance, Confirmed by suspicions that husbands in infidelity consoled them and that separation would bring brighter prospects. They feared the fortune teller provided a conduit to abortionists and contraceptive information. The women worried that the future would bring children conceived outside wedlock, as they could not afford them. Yet many who visited a psychic were probably simply affordable entertainment, a bit like the Netflix of its day. For others, the fortune-telling conversations perhaps provided a positive outlet that could talk through emotional life events. Dog walking and step up from fortunes. The typical cost of psychic reading during the Federation period was two shillings and sixpence. Clairvoyant, with a few dozen clients, would expect to earn around four pounds each week, twice the average pay of a domestic servant. By the time of her 1928 death, Mary Scales, an illiterate laundress, turned fortune teller and master fortune had been equivalent to several million dollars a day. The practitioners of self-fortune telling, like Colonel and Clantel, consisted mainly of women. His occupation of women could embark upon the few business costs of working from home, deserted wives and widows, with children supported featured disproportionately in those put, prosecuted for fortune telling. So did older women, particularly those of ailments, and meant they could no longer undertake physical taxing work in factories or domestic service. Newspapers voiced a resentment that women, particularly working class women, should be earning good money at a trade that was technically illegal. It was ridiculous, one paper stated, that the factory was a washroom 
Yes, they will not debar the full crowd who from disbelieving she's a sorceress today. Another journalist urged women to confine themselves to domestic duties or be forced to learn earn their own living, step seek more gentle occupations. Dog hawking was considered a step up. Most women have a love of dogs, but dislike the necessary care and exercise for them. I'm glad to turn to these duties. Over to someone else. It seems if only one of the humble ways of earning a livelihood. Fortune telling mediums and paranormal lines of business. Two hundred and eight forty seven reported prosecutions of fortune telling between nineteen hundred and nineteen eighteen and of that eighty two percent were women. Several of the men prosecuted were charged as accomplices, minding the shop front of the wives or husbands. Female relatives were doing a private business in fortune telling. Others came from a non-Anglo-Axon backgrounds, or association divination from foreign superstition. Another factor in prevailing prejudices against it. Undercover stings. Despite public criticism, fortune telling was admittedly pleased. Because it's not enough for an individual to know or even advertise himself as a fortune teller, prosecution quite a witness to money being exchanged for reading. Collecting this evidence involves officers going undercover to pose the clients, while police in the major cities undertaking such esteemed operations every few years during the 1900s. As, however, as police all the time are men, fortune-tellers were increasingly suspicious of male customers. Some started talking, taking a precaution of seeing only female clients. To overcome this, police began hiring women to pose as clients during the priority fortune-telling raids. When women were later introduced in the police force across Australia during World War One, they quickly set to prosecuting clairvoyance. Increased pressure to crack down on fortune-tellers due to fears they were preying on soldiers' loved ones or the predictions of dire fortunes might undermine recruiting efforts and national morale. Ultimately, fortune-telling declined Popularity by the 1920s, not the result of policing, but a rise of entertainments. Both fortune-telling and legalisation against it continue to exist, sparking occasional prosecutions across the 20th, 20th century.